This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 269. Just me and my buddies, and we're just going to talk about some board games and just kind of have like a normal board game time. Space Cats people, it's just me, it's just Hunter here. Um, I just wanted to talk to you for a little bit before we got into our episode proper today. It's a beach episode. It's going to be just, you know, kind of us just like kind of having fun. But before we get into the fun part, I just want to remind you that if you would like to sign up for Tournament 5, the fifth Space Cats Peace Turtles Patreon tournament, the way you do that is by being a patron. Uh, you can do it at the lowest uh, tier, which is a $5 Galactic Council tier that also gets you access to um, our Galactic Council polls that we do monthly. Um, we're trying to get kind of like ahead on those lately so that we can do more like pre-production and do just more like fun ideas with them or whatever. So it's like, it's kind of it's kind of a better tier than it used to be, you know? You can either do it in October, this current month that we are currently living in, or you can do it in November, um, and in December, we will take the list of all the people that were on the Patreon for those two months, and then we will be sending out an invitation for you to join the actual tournament, which will be starting in January. So yes, this is basically a $5 entry fee for you to join in a Twilight Imperium tradition that is five years strong, where I so many stories have started and ended in the tournament. It's such a beautiful display of competitive Twilight Imperium. I would say displayed at a level of play that is admirable, but also maintains the kind of random, brutal, dramatic aspects of the game. I'm really excited this year. And for $5, I feel like it's just such a wonderful thing to be a part of. If you've never competed before in the tournament, I really encourage you to give it a shot. Even if you don't play a lot of Twilight Imperium, I still think it's a really fun opportunity for you to kind of get exposed to what it's like to play this game in a different competitive setting. It's, it's a different vibe that the tournament brings to the game, and I think it's really special, and I think you should check it out. So why don't you check it out? Okay, let's get to what today's episode is about. So um, Matt is on vacation, so I was given free reign to do basically whatever I wanted to do for this week's episode. So I invited my two roommates who I play board games with to come and have a conversation with me about the board games that we play. There is some talk about Twilight Imperium, but there won't be very much of that this week. I'm sorry, okay? Um, consider this one like a fun, off-topic, weird one, okay? One where we're kind of goofing around, all right? So have fun with that. I will be back in the outro to do your rundown. I'll see you in a bit. I'm here with my friends, um, Sean O'Connor. Say hello. Hello. And Shelton Brister. Hello. And we're going to talk about just whatever. Uh, Matt is away. And Matt's exact directions for what I should do with this time was nothing. So here we are. This is what we're going to do. Um, we actually play a lot of board games together, though. So this is not really that weird. Right? I mean, right. right. It's like, not weird at all. <laughs> We play board games. Uh, we're trying to have a board game night like every week. Trying. But it feels like it doesn't really happen. Can we maybe get into why it doesn't happen? <laughs> Let's uh, go around the room. You first. I feel like it doesn't happen because we're just kind of tired. You know? We're always tired. We're New always York, tired. New York makes you tired. New York makes you really tired because if you go outside, there's a lot of stuff out there. You know, 
And I actually don't. My problem. What's interesting about me? You're outside a lot. I'm outside a lot. That's something about and you. Then when I get back, you just want to play board games, and and I'm tired. Yeah, I'm like board games, board games, and you're like, no, I'm sleepy. Sleep. sleep. I get I get sleepy from being in here because I'm just in this little room right now, and this I'm in it right now. Sleepy. This is a pretty sleepy room. Yeah, it's very cozy. Is it cozy? I kind of hate my room. Oh. To be honest about. Well, I guess I mean it's small. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's 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 tiny. It's kind of weird. I don't have any alternate lighting besides my stream lights. I don't have like a lamp in here or anything. It's a little freaky. Yeah, you've made the bed. The bed is really the main feature. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like I. Well, yeah, I get it's tired really just two just zones, right? It's it's day. my work zone, and then which is most of the room. It's like later in the day, and it's like let's do board games, but then I just want to leave, you know, and not be here. So that's an interesting conflict. But we do sometimes play board games. We do. Yeah, we, we do. We just don't have a board game night. Yeah, uh, it's kind of just whatever night we're playing board games. That's the board game night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually you'll walk out in the living room and somebody's sitting there looking hungry. Oh, yeah. I should mention we, we all live together. I don't know. That I, I'm sure oh. you've picked that up from this point, but we do <laughs> all. Know. It wasn't clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> we don't just have a board game night. We all live in the same place right next to each other. Which I think is another reason why we don't play board games enough because we get, we're getting enough of each other. It's take, true. We take each other for granted. Yeah, it's I think sad. that's true. Yeah, we should yeah. we should talk about that. We should talk about that. I think this is the this, this is, is where we talk about. I think that's what Matt would want us to do <laughs> with this time. Let's figure out what's going on <laughs> with us. You know, why don't we play board games more? I, dang it! Why don't we talk more? Why don't we talk more? I think We're we talk-, talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, we actually oh. do. We do. We do do talk a lot though. Actually, we tend to. Maybe we talk too much. Yeah, I, I think, think we do. I think we could talk less. I think that's really the issue. We could talk less, play more is really what mm. we should be doing. Yeah. Um, I promise, listener, we are actually going to talk about some exciting board games, including Clash of Cultures. We're going to talk about uh, definitely Race for the Galaxy, and we might talk about a few more. Yeah. Um, but let's start with, I think, Clash of Cultures, which is something we've been playing. Uh, we played it like three or four times. Y'all have played it a bunch. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we played used it. to play it. Yeah, we we used to play it, and that's when we played it a bunch. Yeah, and yeah. but now now we played it a few times. Um, I don't necessarily want to explain exactly what it is. Do either of you want to take explaining what Clash of Cultures is for somebody that doesn't know what it is? Yeah, sure. It's um, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a four X game, so they say, uh, where you are a so we we when we play it, we uh, strictly play it with the expansion, which is the Civilization expansion, which um, which means that every player plays as a different civilization. And those civilizations guide how you play. And how you play is you expand into a uh, the unknown terrain. You gather resources. You build armies. You combat. Uh, what is unique about this game, as opposed to other army games, is uh, is that you can also influence each other's culture. Culture plays a, a pretty critical role in this game. Yeah. Culture is the culture is, is in the is, name. It's yeah. in the name. It's, it's in the game. <laughs> Way by which you count points. Yeah, yeah. And so at the end of the game, you are uh, counting points for objectives and uh, for how well you've developed your culture. Yeah. So it, it kind of is the closest, I would say, to like a Sid Meier civilization yeah. game as board game. Mm. And I really like... That, and that's the, what it's known for. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's a it's, uh, very close parallel to that. Yeah. It's also really fun to talk to each other while you play. Yeah. Wait, what? That's how we should be ranking these games. Oh, is how much you talk to each other while you play? Yeah, just which in incite entice the player to have the best conversation while you play. <laughs> best table talk. <laughs> wait, mm. wait, you would say that Clash of Cultures is the best table talk? I feel like is that well, actually true? Well, Sean didn't rank it yet. Oh, okay. So it's... I just said that it was good. Oh, okay. All right. Because so there's we... plenty of time while, especially if you're playing a three or four player game, plenty of time while one person's making a move that other players can just can just chat you're like all in the chat together lounge in the chat chat. (laughs) do we have anyone table (laughs) (laughs) if anyone's in the chat right now let us know you know what you think about clash of cultures oh i'm seeing a lot of a lot of various twitch icons right now which is great a lot of good people in the chat i feel like my favorite thing about this game is the alternate win condition aspect of it in that it is a dudes on a map kind of board game it's a tactical board game um there's a lot of i have this special ability so i can do this exception to this rule in order to attack you in this way but also you can kind of just like sit around and make money 
or like you know steal the the culture thing that Shelton was alluding to earlier uh, involves basically taking your opponent's like structures and not like removing them from the game, but just turning them into your color, which I think is hilarious. And that the your opponent doesn't lose their functionality; they still have that. It's just that you get the points that they would have gotten, which is hilarious. Yeah, that gets at something that I really love about this game, as opposed to other uh, uh, dudes on a map games, uh, which I don't typically enjoy as much. Yeah, uh, and a big part of that is because it's it, it can become so easy to lose everything that you've built up. But but that element is very nice because you you don't actually lose the ability uh, that you got from that city piece. You you keep it, but you lose that point. And also something we haven't mentioned is is uh, a huge part of this game is the the tech tree element uh if anybody else wants to talk about that yeah yeah i uh it it really kind of spider webs out um i will i don't want to come i don't really like to complain about anything you y'all know y'all know i never complain about anything ever i'm a very positive guy all the time but there's a lot of tech on the tree and it is still i would say at this point overwhelming i think i've played how many times have i played at this point like three Three times, maybe two times, actually. I feel like it was maybe only two times. Um, both times, I felt quite overwhelmed by my options. But yeah, you have this kind of giant tech tree in front of you with... Uh, it's it's kind of a cute, like, there's these little square holes. And as you, like, fill in each tech, you kind of put little little squares in the hole. Um, and there's very loose rules for it. Like, they're grouped together by four. Um, and in order to kind of expand into that part of the tree, all you have to do is research the first tech at the top. So it's kind of, uh, it's almost Twilight Imperium's approach to technology, um, except for instead of making some sort of complicated, uh, like skip system, that means you actually have access to everything. If you get just even a little bit of it, this is just saying, you know, you can get whatever you need. You just got to sort of invest in this particular tree and the trees all have, um, various you know kind of logical concepts that make a lot of sense coming from a Sid Meier civilization kind of point of view like things like you know fighting or pottery or like democracy these are all like the ideas you should be thinking of or like being monk like there's probably monk stuff on there I think Buddhism yeah, is on there Buddhism there's a theocracy theocracy yeah, yeah. You yeah. can pick your government. You can pick theocracy. Yeah, you can also pick like autocracy early, if you want like something more realistic. Priesthood. <laughs> I think what makes what makes the tech tree different in this than other ones, though, is the well, it's not the tech tree itself, but it's the way that it interacts with the that action economy because you are so limited in what you can do every turn. So those it is interesting when you're looking back at the end of a game at the beginning of the game how little you get done each turn at the beginning of the game yeah you don't really do a lot it's it's a game for people that are like really interested in i would say optimizing based on like only a few bits of uh player choice um but if you're interested in a game where your player choice really means a lot i would say clash is like definitely for you and i actually think that's my favorite part about it it just makes it a little bit of a struggle to learn yeah. Especially if you're not doing well. Yeah, because... it's also very unforgiving. Yeah, uh, you have to you have to know what you're doing early in the game in order to really get moving at all. You could be halfway through the game and still feel like you're doing nothing on your entire turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think it's a game where you could you could lose an hour ago. That kind mm-hmm. of concept, I would say. Which in a game like a game in a game as stupid as say Twilight Imperium, um, you can win via some goofy random chance flippings of various things and come back from essentially nothing clash of cultures is way more pure um i would say Mm. there's i mean there is in the uh it's honest it's pretty honest yeah (laughs) it's not it's not a liar's game yeah um, which we talk about a lot of crazy is gonna happen yeah no and there's really no way to like trick your friends either so i mean if you're looking for a way unless you're the vikings of course well, yeah, that's well, true. And also, we didn't know the rules. So. Yeah, yeah that's we were true. playing wrong. We did and play even wrong. Then. Let's get that on the record. Yeah. We, we've been playing this game We wrong. have. We've been talking about it, and we do play it <laughs> regularly wrong, I would say. Um, especially Sean. I mean, not to call you out. That's every game, though. That's every that's, game. That's true. 
Sean, I feel like the way that you approach games is that you just kind of like to get your hands dirty. You know what I mean? The rules, whatever. Mm-hmm. What makes sense to do? And then we'll like, we can lawyer, lawyer it after, you know? Yeah, yeah. What's fun about playing games with Sean is that it's kind of like you're playing your game and you're also playing their game at the same time yes. because because you have to pay attention to what they're doing. Yes, absolutely. It, would you agree? Would you agree, Sean? If it's a game that I don't know well or that has a really complicated tech tree, absolutely. Absolutely. Sean yeah. just don't care. It's that I respect it. It's kind of, um, there's cowboy aspects of it, I would say, you know, of just kind of like going with your gut. It's okay. That's part of board games. Yeah. There's really there's only- There's no computers telling you what to do. You got to figure it out. No computers. Something we've been talking about on the show lately, and by something we've been talking about, I mean something I've been talking about, is the idea that there's really only two types of players, cowboys and generals. These are the two types. Essentially, people Mm. that really think about their turn and people that don't want to think about their turn because they're they're just in the moment, you know? The people that play with their gut and the people that play with their brain. Sure. Uh, which would you say you are? Gut. So you're a cowboy. I'm a cowboy. Mm. Definitely a cowboy. Interesting. I, I'd, I'd rather play with the gut because I feel like the gut knows and the brain takes way too long. The brain is slow thought. The mm. gut is more immediate. Sure. What feels good and right to do right now. Instead, This is why I'm bad. I'm horrible at chess, but you got to see me play checkers. I got, I'm, I'm quite quite a checkers guy. I can't believe you never, all about the gut. you never went for sports. <laughs> No, I never, I mean, I'm bad at sports. So you have to have physical stuff for sports, Sean, you know? More than gut. More than gut. What about speed chess? Speed chess? (laughs) I feel like if I was going to be good at speed chess, I would need to be the other, I'd need to know regular chess, which would require the other thinking. You know what I mean? You know what? I would like to, um, I I guess, move on to another game, if that's all right. Totally. Uh, But a a sort of a a pivot to another civilization game, which is. a much smaller civilization game called Innovation. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. Um, because you were talking about how Clash of Cultures, there there aren't huge leaps. There's not big shifts, big surprises. Uh, and I feel like that is a uh, one of the defining features of Innovation, which is the cards are, are wild. Yeah, yeah. Innovation has this sort of uh, multiplying effect. Like the... I lost this last game of innovation by getting distracted by a card that had a lower number when I could have just ditched it for whatever weird new strategy was going to come up in the late game. If you're not familiar with innovation, the way it works is basically it's sort of like Race for the Galaxy where you're you have a you have a hand of cards and you're playing them into a little tableau in front of you. These cards will grant you various abilities. But unlike Race for the Galaxy, Um, the way the cards are dealt to you is that they are all in these kind of individual piles and they make a little spiral in the center of the game. And each pile has a number on the back of it uh, going from one to 10. Each number is representing like a different era of civilization. So like number one is like, you know, prehistoric. Prehistoric, yeah. Going all the way to like cyberpunk information technology time. Um so as you're playing, everyone's drawing from this, these shared decks of cards. And sort of as you exhaust each deck, you sort of advance into the next one. And the way the cards are written is they each are granting you abilities, but they get exponentially better. By the time you get to the 10th deck, the cards that you're getting are like game ending, like automatically win right now types of cards. What's brilliant about it is that the card abilities feel appropriate to this jump, you know, like that, that what I just described actually works. This game feels very play tested in a way that I don't always feel satisfied by, you know what I mean? Like it, Mm -hmm. It's that kind of game where it's telling you what the theme is and then you start playing it and you're like, wow, this is very like fully realized. And it's just cards, by the way. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing else. It's mm. literally just a little card game. And, the car- and it's not very like thematically, the things on the cards, you, it's nothing as like juicy looking. There's Mm-mm. not like any yeah. art outside of iconography. Right. right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, 
I, I'm curious about uh, how everyone feels about how thematic it, it is innovation. It, it certainly feels like you are developing something. Um, but does it feel like you're developing a civilization? It, there are story aspects of it, though. If you watch someone's tableau closely, there's kind of a fun, like, what is happening to this civilization? Like, you know, maybe at a certain point, they're all specializing in metallurgy. Sure. And there's like, you know, it's very militaristic and then mm-hmm. all super fighty. And then eventually they're just trying to fix your computer. You know, it just it <laughs> shifts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what you're saying is sort of in hindsight, there's a story, but it's not really guiding how you're playing. You're playing based no. off the icons. You're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get a, a lot of cards into your hand. That's true. You're not really making, you're not living in the thematic world that the cards are suggesting Right. exists so you have to sort of the any story elements have to be sort of frankenstein or, or thought up after the fact um but there have been times where i'm like it's interesting that looks what's look at look what's happening here i'm replacing all of this type of card with a different mm-hmm. type of card and it's kind of cool but you are right do you ever make a decision based off any of those storytelling elements no you're just looking at the things on the card yeah. that's it that said the game is uh beautifully designed it's a carl Chuddick game which is uh He's famous for having these these uh, very intricate uh, card games that interact in, in very unique ways. And the cards, uh, you can do several different things with each one. Yeah. It is interesting to see how old card tech relates to new card tech, too. Early cards often are for, like, get you better draws mm-hmm. on things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes due to like the advancement, you'll like keep a card like the wheel. Yep. Sure. Out, yeah. And then that ends up meshing with something. Right. Like, like, uh, like computer science. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like mathematics later. Yeah. On you combine the like, computers with the wheel and you have a electro- uh, computer robot chips. cars. Computer yeah. Chips. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can design a civilization or you're not really designing it, but you can end up with a tableau that seems to suggest a civilization that's like all about the wheel. Mm hmm. They're uh, autocratic, you know, monks that are really into <laughs> nuclear weapons. You know what I mean? Like, and all those, th- all three of those things can can mesh quite nicely. Yeah, I will say this: there is a. I feel like I feel like this has happened a lot in this game where you have a very autocratic, uh, a lot of autocratic cards that are very military heavy, and uh, you might be real low on on in the ages, but using that, you could steal other people's cards. Yep. that are much much later in the ages and uh just leap forward yeah leap forward into the the new age yeah it's kind of i'll say this the the only thing that bugs me about it is that the the first game i played of this i won and i think it was because i was not really paying that much attention to what i was doing and i was kind of just like interested in seeing cards and playing Mm. cards the gut the gut and yeah that's true i was more cowboy the first time this last time we played I drew a card early on that I was like, this is dynamite. I, w- mm-hmm. I got to form a strategy around this. And then that took forever to yeah. actually get that going. And by the time I got it going, it didn't matter anymore. Yet, like, it's like I'm sitting over here in you know the third age. I'm in the Renaissance period. And you're in like way off in you know almost information technology period. And yeah. so what I have this cool strategy that works with level three cards, but you're, you know, getting level eights and level nines. Right. That Yeah. That makes me wonder if, um, if innovation is a lot more tactical than strategic, if it's, it's a lot more reacting. And, and I think that speaks to how quickly things change or yeah. can change or swing. And, and you, you, yeah, you have to play tactically and, and, uh, adapt to what's happening because yeah. sometimes you, yeah, you might have a, a solid, uh, you might have a solid start and, and you're, you're climbing the ages, uh, pretty steadily, but then somebody takes a lead and you might have to drop what you're doing and, and focus on maybe just trying to get to age 10 as, as fast as you can. That way right. you can uh, just win yeah. essentially with it, those it, 10 cards. It has a, a sprinting aspect mm-hmm. to it. It's definitely for people. I would say that really like race for the galaxy a lot. If you like race for the galaxy, I think you will like this game because it's similar enough to where I think you'll pick it up quite quickly, but it has a different flavor, which I would say is that race for the galaxy is a little more like, Every card counts, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of built. It, it, it does have that race aspect as well, though, mm. of like just sprinting to the finish oh, at yeah. the end. Yeah. That's, Slow, yeah, that's slower the than, than race though. Innovation. Yeah. Well, there's definitely, yeah. there's far more cards that are going to get played. Right. Um, 
which I think kind of lends itself to the whole like reactive, not planning mm-hmm. out type thing. Race of the Galaxy, I feel like, you know, if I draw a particular card early, yeah. I can play into that card and make that yeah, card the, the star of my show. Mm-hmm. I do think the the win conditions are are nice in innovation. Innovation. Because the fact that there always is that option to sprint for age ten cards yeah. is it's really well thought out because it's always like if somebody pulls way ahead, they're gonna ha- end up having to like discard cards or often they'll trade have to give players cards, and so you're all gonna get brought up by someone advancing really fast to score points the 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 conventional way the just uh, by getting by by scoring points by getting cards getting scores for each point that you get it's more difficult to get the next point and right. so there's a there's a steady linear. Uh, sort of climb for that. Yeah, doesn't it? Isn't uh, it's not exponential, right? Um, which which makes it where it 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 stays slow for the person who might be in the lead that that way. Uh, but that does allow room for somebody from behind to to jump forward. It's almost um, rubber banding, like in Mario Kart. It's literally yeah. like you know, let's yeah. let's not let the first the player in first finish this up. Let's throw a blue shell their way, or like suddenly everyone's you know if you're playing with computer opponents like they will literally slow down for you etc um so yeah i i feel like it i feel like it has that i also i i like it a whole lot um i like i like clash and i like innovation innovation i feel like plays more into what i like about games which is um i would say the more the reactive stuff whereas Mm -hmm. clash cultures the fact that i can mess up makes me feel like well I need to be thinking really carefully about this game that I don't yet understand, which is not my ideal way to play. But I also feel like the more I play a game, the more I am not frustrated by those aspects. Like I I feel like when I start a game, it's full of possibilities and who knows how it's going to treat me. And maybe I'm like, maybe I'm going to be like, the best, the best player this game's ever known, and our relationship has just begun. And mm-hmm. oh my god, all these, all these possibilities. Mm-hmm. But then you know, the reality sets in. Figure it out. Yeah, and you realize that you know I'm just some guy playing yeah. this game. Yeah. You know, you Things realize that, set in, that routines build. Yeah, Shelton has captured or culturally influenced half of your pieces. Yeah, mm-hmm. half of them aren't even. You know, they don't look like they belong to mine. Nothing looks like it belongs to me anymore. No. You know, that's what happens. Yeah, I think um yeah, I think just uh maybe to to compare those two one last time, uh, clash cultures and, and innovation. Um they are distinct in that for me, clash cultures is a game that afterwards I am I'm thinking about how to play the next game. Yeah. Uh innovation, I'm not really doing that because I got to wait for the cards first. Yeah. And and then maybe just play the field. And and for that reason, for that reason I th- I think uh it, it it always feels uh fresh it always feels like a, a new relationship exactly uh just a you know it's just a shorter relationship yeah absolutely um one we're about we're about halfway through at this point and i just want to ask if y'all would like just in case if y'all have anything you want to say about uh twilight imperium which is a, a board game i'm just wondering what what you y'all might have to to contribute to that conversation because that's kind of a big conversation that we have here. So I'm just kind of yeah. wondering, like, you know, like, what do you what do you think about it? Um. Uh, well, so I. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't know if I do want to say anything. I, I'll say this: I uh, I've played it. Yeah, I've played it uh, several played, times. I've played it with you. Sure, I've played uh, it with you. I've played it. Yeah, we've all Sean? been on the board together. <laughs> Sean, what do you have something to add to the ongoing conversation about Twilight Imperium? <laughs> The biggest and most important board game of my life has changed my life in so many tiny little ways. And well, you know, do you want anything to say, say yeah. to say anything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What you got? Actually, you kind of, you like the game. I like the game. Yeah. yeah, I do. What do you like about it? I like that. I like that. I think, and this is something that I've been thinking more and more about games is that, that I, I feel the incentive to win the game. But even when I'm not, I still get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, because the game is about, I feel like really, I mean, we we spent a lot of um, time and resources on the idea that this is a game about a winner because we have like a tournament and stuff like that. 
But that's all. I mean, hullabaloo. That's nothing. What the game is really about is... The losers. The losers. Hmm. The interesting losers, <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's more about the interesting moments because here's what you can't... Here's what no other game can do, like Twilight Imperium, yeah. is make you spend so much time on it that that dramatic moment at the end of the game can feel dramatic. Everything requ- requires contrast. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't just... A game of innovation sure. can't end like a game of Twilight Imperium because innovation doesn't waste your time in that <laughs> way. But I say that jokingly, but at the same time, I'm, I'm serious. You cannot... You cannot make me go... You can't blow my mind if all you asked of me was 45 minutes. You can make me feel satisfied. I can be excited about the the game mechanics. I can respect it, admire it. I can even think it's smarter than Twilight Imperium. Most mm-hmm. games, I feel like, are... I think Twilight Imperium is this weird kind of arbitrary thing that that's kind of what I like about it. Is it feels like it was just kind of written down, like, this <laughs> is how it's played. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, nobody yeah. was like... Classic style. Yeah, yeah. It's just, we just found it somewhere, you know? <laughs> but yeah, like, w- without that time commitment, it can't it can't feel on the level that Twilight Imperium can feel, especially in those closing hours. Sometimes halfway through as well, it can get yeah. very strange. I, I agree with that. I um, And I don't think I've played it enough to really feel that. Uh, but I can see that for sure. I, I, I can see that it, it invites players in a way that most other games don't into this uh into this realm of of possibility and and story yeah cool well i really like that so that was our those were our comments on twilight imperium we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back to talk about a few more board games and we're back um i'm here with my friends shelton and sean we're just talking about random board games for no particular reason matt is out and we are doing whatever we want um the next board game I would like to talk about, Shelton, I feel like you either... I, I wonder what you'll have to say about it. I want to have a little bit of time to talk about Fury of Dracula, um, which is a game oh, that me yes. and Sean like quite a bit. Yes. I don't know how you feel about it, but it's just to provide some contrast with these smart, well-executed games. Fury of Dracula is a big, dumb, loud game with many, many tokens it's full of tokens Cannot when you set this under, game uh, undersell the amount of pieces there's so many little tokens and you will not use them all you ever won't. but you, you will... might you might no you, you you let me sean i've played this game so many times now there are some of them i've played like 10 games of fury of dracula and there are some tokens that i cannot remember what they do because i've never seen them do anything in the game okay so let me say, if I play your game 10 times and there is some cardboard in it that I do not touch, that I do not use, that that's, that's the stuff I would cut. But <laughs> it doesn't cut it. Instead, it says, here's all this in this box. I don't care that you're not going to use all of it. Um, and it's great. Me and Sean stayed up way too late playing it on a weeknight mm. recently. Um, we just played it 1v1, which is definitely a way that you can play it. Um, it was a, it was a tight game. It was a close game. Within a turn, right? Within a turn, yeah. it was literally, it was literally. I was playing as the the hunters. Um, Sean was playing as Dracula. And uh, if you don't know, I should actually explain what the game is a little bit. If you've never played Fury of Dracula, it is a hidden movement game where one player plays as Dracula, and then there are a team of four different hunters. You play on a map of Europe. Uh, and you're moving around either via roads or you can move via trains. And there's two different train companies and you have to like get train tickets and then spend them. And the train tickets have like specific movement rules associated Getting with a them. a little too far into the train And system. it's really... It's like it's... tickets to ride, really. <laughs> <laughs> tickets to ride and then there's a Dracula. <laughs> there's a Dracula. Uh, it's, it's, but the trains are really important, The trains John. are pretty important. Yeah. So are the boats. There's a lot of... Yeah, there's, there's sea. You can travel by sea. Uh, there's a combat mechanic that's really in-depth and you will not use it until at least like an hour into this game, you might. I would. I that's up to the Dracula, actually. I think. Yeah, that's true. Dracula could go right for, you know, right for fighting, which I don't know if that's a good strategy or not. I've never played it that way, 
Mostly it's about moving around Europe, trying to see where Dracula is, trying to track Dracula down. There's this very cool hidden movement system where Dracula has to play a card on the board that represents Dracula's current location. As Dracula plays cards on the board, they move along the side of the board. So it creates this little history of Dracula's movements. Once the cards fall off the board, they're gone forever, um, and Dracula can either return to that location or, you know, the hunters did not find out where Dracula went. So it has a cool system for tracking down Dracula. Um, and then basically, once you find Dracula, you just fight Dracula and, and kill kill Dracula. Um, or mm -hmm. Dracula tries to kill you. And he can get away, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, from, from if memory serves, that's that's the part that, that rubs me uh, wrong. Because I, I really love hidden movement yes. games. Uh, there's there's a, a very satisfying logic on both sides yes. of, of that game, of, of, a, of a hidden movement game. The beginning of the when we played was fantastic. Sure, yes. I loved I loved plotting around. That, that. makes sense. There's a because point it's head movement. Yeah, but people say stuff like it feels like you're moving through me. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, however, the best part of a hidden movement game is as as the detective side. Yeah, the the, the deducer uh, is finding and winning. Yes, and you don't get that. With Fury of Dracula, do you? No, you don't. Here's why. The goal is half satisfied by finding Dracula. Mm -hmm. The point is to pin Dracula, to trap Dracula. You're hunters. You're not sure. detectives. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I, but as a player, which is what I am, yeah. a player playing yeah, yeah, a board yeah, game, yes, I yes, tell yes. A, lot, a lot of energy goes into finding. Yes. And, and then you and do. It, and then... If Dracula slips out, that feels just awful. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and so I uh, let me let me bring up another game, which is a very uh, a, a very small uh, what I would consider a hidden movement game, which is Fugitive. Yeah, uh, Tim Fowers game. Tim Fowers game, who we like Great on game. this podcast. We like Tim. Impossible Fowers. Impossible to beat Shelton at. He yeah. loves this. Game. No, Hunter beat me. No, I I beat Shelton. It was tough. I it wish I could have seen it. It's deaf tough, <laughs> but yeah, that's a great game. Um, and, and a very small head movement game. It doesn't take a lot of energy. No. I think that would pair very... Do we design games on this podcast? No. I think that would that would uh, pair very well with uh, <laughs> Combat at the End. That would, put Dracula in Fugitive. Yeah, yeah. A, a Fury of Dracula version of uh, Fugitive. Well, here's... So, I think the, the reason... I don't think Fury of Dracula is actually for hidden movement people actually sure. so this is something that i realized i i think after overselling this game to people that i know that like those types of games mm -hmm. um and because i feel like matt also sort of bounced off of this game not to speak for matt but i don't know well he's not here not here Let's so speak i can say whatever him. i want all you right you know where he is you know what else he likes i don't even know where he is i don't know right now no idea all right just it's, adventuring it's a, out there. It's a great, great place for Dracula's to be. <laughs> that's true. Actually, that's a horrible. Okay, so here's what they Dracula can start in the UK, which if you know anything about European geography, which I know some of you might be from there, so you do know this. It's an island, which means it's separated by water, and none of the hunters start in the UK. So it's always this thing of like, it's like the meanest thing you could do is Dracula is just start on this little island by yourself and you just walk around for a while and the hunters look all over Europe for you because it's not worth it sending one person to the UK. It's just, it's hilarious to me that that's, anyways, that's, I'm getting sidetracked. My point is this. I think this game is more for people that like or are looking for something a little more in the role play adjacent sure combat mechanical board game style which i would i would liken um eldritch horror or even arkham horror to that sort of thing hmm. it's honestly the easiest way to pitch it is it's almost like a game of eldritch horror where the big bad monster is always the same which is kind of the bummer because one of the good things about that game is the monster is always different but that monster is being played 
by one of the players. And that's cool. Um, so I think for that type of board gamer, Fury of Dracula makes a lot of sense. Um, and I don't know if you've played any of those games, but... Um, no, I haven't. I've played, uh, I've played some other Fantasy Flight uh, Lovecraft games, but I have not played those. You should you should try Eldritch Horror. Yeah. Um, it's, it is definitely a, an interesting game. It has kind of a, a fun teamwork aspect to it of that kind of thing of there's like five problems and we've got mm-hmm. four people, that kind of thing. Sure. And the which puzzle. of these things are we not going to do? That yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, that's a fun aspect. I mean, honestly, Fury never gets to quite that level i think because of the hidden movement aspect but well, yeah but i think that's also in how we play it now all i can i can't stop thinking about playing a, a dracula that's kind of coming for you aggressive because yeah. hmm. especially early game when you have all the health and everything why is, not is that practical well at the beginning of the game i'll say this at the beginning of the game dracula fights just about as good as he fights for most of the game. And the hunters start with nothing. Mm, sure. So, uh, technically speaking, I think Dracula could definitely best one of the hunters in combat in the early part of the game. Now, when you kill a hunter, you, they're not, like, removed forever. They just, they go to a hospital. So, and, and also... <laughs> you know, you where you send a, your dead people. Where you send your dead. <laughs> you, you know, they die and you send them to the hospital and they and come see back. what they can do. Just, that's just like... <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Just yeah. like GTA. Yeah, yeah. Well, these, these were olden times, you know. It was different back then. Sure. You know, people could heal themselves from Dracula bites. Yeah. Well, yeah. they had magic. They did have magic, yes. That's a fact. That's absolutely... Well, and it's Europe, you know. And we have a lot of European listeners, and I'm sure they're aware of all the magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of course, they've given that up these days, but, you know. Why is that? You know... No one well, really knows. I heard it was a truce between peoples and Draculas. Oh, yes. Yes. They said no more magic. They said no and more Dracula, magic. And Dracula said, but I'm magic. And they said, well, no more you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was a truce where uh, Draculas wouldn't bite people anymore, but they got to be in charge of like corporations and stuff, uh, basically. Yeah. So they don't get to suck blood, but they do like, they are like in charge sucking of Sucking the blood of the nation. Yeah, yeah. They suck the blood of the nation. Yeah, not, you know? and that suffices. Yeah. Not, in fact, it's actually a lot better. They yeah. actually like the deal a lot, a lot better. Yeah. Uh, they love it. Um, shout out to Jeff Bezos, um, who would be a pretty funny vampire, actually, to be honest. His bald head, yeah. just a little bit of old people makeup on him, and he's ready to go. He's got the laugh. He's got the laugh of Ooh, a Dracula. He does. That's for sure. Um, all right, that's enough about Fury. Well, wait, wait. We oh. haven't even covered the most important thing. Oh, okay. Which Sorry. is that it's not, for me, even a hidden movement game. It's a game of, of purely dripping with... It's soaked with theme. Theme, yes. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely theme. I mean, I feel like the theme part has shown through. I mean, it's yeah. there's a Dracula. But if we were It'd be talking, hard for that to be But if like, we're talking about innovation as a game that mm. doesn't... Mot- like, you're... Actions are not motivated. Are not telling a story. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. a story. This is all story. And perhaps, I think that it might be so much th- story, or that story might have been so important to the design that mechanically it doesn't always, like sparks don't always fly. Because I think too many decisions have been left up to story. Reminds me of another game that includes a map of Europe. Wait, what game? You're talking about Axis and Allies? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> the greatest story game ever. T- no. What? What? I'm what? thinking of uh, Arabian Nights. Oh, that game. Yeah, that game's fantastic. Just purely though. story. That game is just perfect. Um, Truly a game where you don't care who's winning at the end. Yeah. You don't... Yeah, I don't even remember who won when we played, um, which we played kind of recently. I just love how that game, the book just gives you, it's like a very good version of Betrayal at the house on the hill or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which is a game that I feel like that book if you got a book, here's let me let me <laughs> phrase it this way. If you got a book and it's full of stuff, <laughs> then all the stuff in there has to be pretty good. Like it's there's got to be a pretty high level or I'll say this, the level of investment of the thing, like as in how important is the thing that's in the book that we're looking up? If it's really important, it's pretty much always has to be good. And the problem with the betrayal book for me is that some of the scenarios are not very good. 
And so if you're somebody like me who has played the game only a handful of times, hmm. I would say the times that I played, I didn't like the scenario yeah. that we got. I think, so. yeah, I think that is, that is common with, with betrayal. Um, and, and I, I share your sentiment. I think, uh, well, the problem with betrayal is each scenario changes the game, but the the game doesn't know how you've been playing up to this point. Right. They don't know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Arabian Nights does a really good job of having like the little random things we need to go to the book for the bigger things yeah. and then the huge things. Sure. Um, and I think that's why I feel like the book is a lot stronger because yeah. it just has more variety of types of things to go back for. Betrayal is kind of like pick the thing. I hope it's one of the good ones mm-hmm. because otherwise your mm-hmm. game will not be as interesting as it could be. The only game I really want to talk about. Well, actually I want to ask y'all if there's any games specifically that y'all wanted to bring into this conversation that I've been covered. The airplane game. The other Tim Fowers game. Oh, yeah. That one was great. Yeah, now boarding. Do you want to talk boarding? about it? We could a little bit. I just in reference to the the Arkham Horror kind of situation. Where oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. it is kind of mm-hmm. like that. Um, it is sort of a here's our problems and here's oh. how many people we got kind of problem solving game. Um, yeah, I love that game. Um, and I actually playing it with y'all actually was the most fun I've had with it thus far. Um, but if you don't know what now boarding is, it's a game where you play as um, you're all pilots. You pilot these planes. They can move around the United States, picking up various passengers from different airports and dropping them off. Much like how that happen be in real life do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And except for you get paid cash based off the <laughs> passengers, which is, I don't think they get paid like that. The actual airline pilots. Um, but it's a game of looking at the map, being like, oh, no, Sean, if you go there and pick up the person in Seattle, I'll do this one because I can fly this particular route that you can't fly. Um, it does that very, very well. If you like that kind of uh, fast strategy team building exercise type game, <laughs> I would say now boarding is absolutely that. Yeah, great for your corporate retreats. Yes. Super good for corporate <laughs> retreats. Super good team building. Yes. We want to build a, a good team. We do. Yeah. We also uh, have not really talked about uh, Race for the Galaxy at all. Well, that's what that's I wanted a, to close on. Uh, sure. Oh, I wanted the last game we talked about its own episode to be... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, originally, the idea of this episode was going to be a Cosmic Encounter episode, mm-hmm. but I realized that Cosmic Encounter... Cosmic Encounter is so vast yeah, as far as it. variety... I almost feel like it feels unpodcastable. Like, I don't know mm. what you're supposed to do with a podcast about Cosmic Encounter. I it remember. It boggles my mind. You know, years ago, I think I remember a couple of my friends saying that about a, another giant board game. No, but, but, but Twilight Imperium has 25 currently kind of starting conditions. You know, like, well, actually, if you count all the different stage one public objectives that could flip, that's a whole other thing. But... We, could, we can examine the game from 25 different angles, right? And that's a lot. And obviously, we're this is episode 269. Mm-hmm. So, like, and we still have uh, a little under 250 to go till the final episode, which is episode 500, mm. um, w- which I just revealed now. Uh, <laughs> uh, the thing about Cosmic Encounter is that the amount of angles that you could analyze the game from is so vast that I feel like if we did a podcast about Cosmic Encounter, that the people that designed the board game would be mad at us for trying to do that. Like, mm-hmm. like if, if I had a podcast where I was going to try and tell you how to play as one of the aliens in Cosmic, the fact that you're listening to that and then pre-planning for if you are in a situation where yeah, that yeah. alien comes up, and then it does come up, uh-huh. and you do take whatever advice it is that me or Matt has offered up to you. I think you have actually defied the point of Cosmic Encounter. It's a gut game. It's a gut game through and through. It's cowboy style only. They should call it Cowboy Encounter, as far as I'm concerned. All right, and and the I just I do I wouldn't want to betray a game. I feel like Space Cats Peace Turtles. The, this project has fallen neatly into the board game that we discuss, which is Twilight Imperium predominantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not this week, okay? Not this week. No. 
No. We talked about it. We did talk about it. Touched on it. We touched on it. it. We gave it a favor. Yeah. We gave it a little favor, and then we moved on. Okay? We did the right thing. (laughs) Cosmic Encounter, I just feel like it would be a betrayal of what it is, which is almost why I want to do it. I want to sin big, Mm. um, and I want to, you know, maybe upset. I want to ruffle some feathers. Sure. So are you saying... Are you saying you would do a podcast where you talk about if you play Cosmic Encounter and you <laughs> and you get this particular faction, what? faction race, yeah, and, alien, uh, yeah. alien, and all of the other, and here's all of the other aliens that you're up against. Here's how you should play. <laughs> well, I mean, so you get it. You oh, get yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah. The problem is that that doesn't make sense. But I. I don't know how else to talk about that that board game. Unless it was literally just a discussion of, here are the exact aliens that came up in our game. Sure, and so, it's just like a, a game report, like a session report. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say this, I and I don't know how much you could get out of this. Maybe it's a miniseries. But I think I think what would be very, very interesting about Cosmic Encounter and talking about it strategically is, uh, is not talking about each individual... Um, alien but but instead talking about what's going on socially yes uh, around the table because that's 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 the beauty of that game and and probably what i love about board games in general uh we've talked about um innovation clash of cultures but what i love is is the social element yeah around the table and yeah and, and that's um and that's obviously what makes a board game a board game as opposed to a video game where you have um well it, with board games you you essentially create the game between yes. you right and right. and uh and there's the 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 push and pull of the the psychology between players yeah which makes it very uh organic and and infinite that's why i love twilight imperium is it feels like you're mm-hmm. taking these six people and you're putting them in kind of a pressure cooker yeah. type situation or you're locking them in a box and throwing it into the ocean type <laughs> deal sure and now they're playing a board game but under some different conditions you know yeah it's almost science it feels like it is science but it's definitely not relaxation. I'll tell you that. No, no, it's no. science. It's not relaxation. Yeah, no, no, no. It's yeah, it, that, yeah. That's that's another thing that I can appreciate about about Twilight Imperium is that it it does have uh, so many uh, mechanics, so many moving pieces and actual pieces, uh, but it does also rely on the social element quite yes. a bit, and and that's and that's what it's for. That's what a board game is for. Absolutely. Yeah, it's for that connection to each other. Well, there's one so, more game we haven't talked about. Oh, okay, what is it? <laughs> ah. <laughs> All right, what do you got? What do you got? Hit me. We haven't talked about the Seven Samurai board game. We played that once, Sean. Me and Shelton played him. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to, we're going to talk right, go about. Ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Take I, it away. Take I, it away. I got, I got nothing to say about Seven Samurai. It's great. It's fine. It's a fun game. It's a fun game. It's a fun cooperative, uh, essentially blackjack game. It's a, yeah. pu- it's a puzzle blackjack. Yeah, puzzle, puzzle blackjack. blackjack. Puzzle that blackjack. sounds great. That's a great way to sell it. It's very hard. I want to talk about Race to the Galaxy. Oh, you do? I do. I okay. do actually want to talk about it. Okay. Because I think of the games that we play together, I feel like it is actually my favorite. Because I think that every game of Race for the Galaxy sits in this perfect place of me getting to make choices and the game dealing me out the random occurrence of drawing a card. I'm just drawing a card. But so it's so crazy that the game, it's another game that feels very play tested to me. Yeah. Of like, oh, yeah. This was very mm-hmm. refined into mm-hmm. exactly this. That I can just draw cards from the deck and every time build some sort of interconnected tableau of cards that I feel like work the best together. It's a game with a lot of random chance because it's just based off these cards. If you don't know what it is, the way it works, it's very similar to innovation, um, which we described in the first half of the show, but there's a deck of cards. Um, These cards, it's all science fiction themed. So the cards will represent um, like planets or even like attitudes um, or uh, spaceships or robots, all kinds of like science fiction abstract concepts even um and you draw these cards and you play them in a tableau in front of you um and they have this beautiful iconography on the cards that allow you to learn i would say the rules very very quickly the game is played in phases that are sort of poker style initiated by the players they will play a card that sort of starts a phase 
Um, they're like five different phases. They are not guaranteed to happen every round. In fact, only one phase might happen. If each player plays the same phase card, well then guess what? That's the only phase we're doing. It's almost like if you imagined Twilight Imperium, but instead of strategy cards, you have all of them in your in your separate hand, and you can just decide it's time for trade, or it's time for, you know, it's time for warfare, it's time for politics, whatever. You're you're throwing that card down. But it behooves you to sort of think about what your opponent wants to do. And then not necessarily, like, play exactly the same card. Yeah, that that part's very hard. That's a, yeah. A, 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 I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a I think that's often overlooked uh, with with this game. Not necessarily that mechanic, but the poker element of it. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people play it where they they know what they want to do that turn and they play that card. But, uh, but the, yeah, that is uh, just one decision, but it's a, a a critical decision to make and yeah. makes uh it makes the decision very fun. Because if I'll I'll say this, so in the situation, let's say I know what you're gonna do, you're playing a tableau that's so focused on this thing that I'm like, there's no way that Shelton is gonna risk there not being like a trade phase or something, and I'm looking at my tableau and I'm like, okay, I got some trade stuff I can do. Well, why not just let Shelton play trade? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm working on this other thing. Now I'm getting like two things done yeah. for me. And Shelton might only be getting one really good thing done. And that's how you get like tempo in that game. Sure. Mm. Um, so that's that part I love about it. I love any board game that has any amount of poker DNA yeah. in it. Even though I'm not good at poker, I don't even really like poker that much. I'm actually quite oh. bad at poker. But I just like that that vibe of having cards in my hand and like looking at, at my yeah, friends yeah. being like, what are they going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And looking at their, their tableaus. And yeah. you really can't, I mean, it's very, you have to be very, very lucky to be able to ignore the community and win the game. Yeah, e- exactly. You need to be watching what the other players are doing, at least being aware of if somebody, you know, is running away with it or because the game ends when uh, someone has played how many cards in the tableau? 12 or 10? 12. 12. 12. So you the whoever plays ten first ends the game. So in that way, it is kind of twelve an, first. You said ten. Did I say ten? Yeah. Oh, it's all right. We got it. We got it. We it's got right. it. We got it. Twelve. I'll say it again. Twelve. No, no, take no, it twelve. Try to take it away. one let, more time. Let me get a clean cut. Twelve. Right, whoever good. plays twelve cards ends the game right there. And on that turn, we're ending it. Okay. So in that way, it is a race. Yeah. Right. It should be a race. It's in, the, it's, in the, it's in the name of the game. Yep. Um, but sometimes it's a race where, like, like it's weird. Like, one card in Race of the Galaxy can be worth, like, two points or, like, 50 points. You know right. what I mean? Like, sure. it's it's quite, like, there are some valuable cards. <laughs> not, that well, not really, 50, but, but probably yeah. Probably not yeah, 50. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, no, maybe 10. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, nah, probably more than 10. I've definitely got more than 10 value. So like 16, maybe 16. 16. So that's a good estimate. Say 16. It could be two points or it could be uh, 16 points. 16 points. Or we round up to 20. Two to 20. Well. Two to 20 points. I mean, no, you've seen 20. You've seen 20, right? I don't know, one card. I don't, I mean, probably. Yeah. See, I you haven't, you haven't <laughs> been podcasting as long as I have, Sheldon. Okay. We, one thing that we do is we just lie. Okay. We just tell a lie. And we say something we oh, don't even know. F- what 50 we're points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Now you get it. Now you're all right. We'll cut all this out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a great game. I, I it's honestly one of the only games in board gaming that I feel like I would describe as like a perfect game, or that that I have no no notes or or qualms with it. I would struggle to come up with an aspect of it I don't like. And basically, every time I've played it, I've had a great time. I would say mm-hmm. that it gets it gets closer than innovation does to the the theme. Mm-hmm. That you're a little bit more motivated by you're making decisions, but it's still not. You're still not in it, I would say. Right, because you're still very much limited by card draw and. I agree, but I, I would also uh, add that it it is sort of a hindsight story kind of game, but it it does organically develop a story because because every card stays. The the, the thing with innovation is is uh, you cover up your cards. Right. So you, the, the where you were at the beginning is it might have nothing to do with where you are now. Yeah. Uh, but but with Race for the Galaxy, every card stays, and and you're you're sort of building off of that, and and so it is. Uh, it does organically develop a story, 
And and I also think that the cards, which have beautiful art, I don't know if you mentioned that the, the card art is, is yeah fantastic, stellar. yeah so good, um, and 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 pairs very well with the with the bonuses that the cards give you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That it, it, it the the bonuses are a little bit more interesting to me uh, in Race for the Galaxy than in Innovation. I would say too that a successful Race for the Galaxy tableau, I think, does tell a little bit of a story. In a way that uh, a successful innovation tableau doesn't have to tell any story at all. Right. I mean, it can just kind of not it's make gotta sense. It's got to be efficient. Yeah. But a good Race for the Galaxy tableau, you can kind of put the pieces together more often than not. I, I mean, that's very much just based off. Gut, but it also, but... in a lot of ways, I think shares that quality of being unforgiving in the way that uh, the tech tree in Clash has. Yeah, you could, you could throw cards down and get no tempo out of it. There's this thing that Cole said one time when he was explaining Oath to us, where he was saying that as a designer, he's like hiding, he's trying to hide a free action in mm. the, in the, yeah. in the cards basically, or in, in, in the components. And I feel like race for the galaxy is like that to a T. Sure. It's, it's just a bunch of cards that say, all right, well, well we do this. This is what the card does. But like that combined with this means I get this free extra thing over here, which Mm -hmm. I can then spend to do this free extra thing over here. It's like if if you aren't doing anything to develop your action economy in Race to the Galaxy, you will absolutely lose. And it's very easy to like, I would say, if you're not paying attention, if the symbols aren't hitting you, if you're not thinking about it in terms of tempo then yeah, you could end up just playing a bunch of planets that don't do right. anything right. that useful. Have just exploring round. two cards every yeah. round. Yeah, yep, exactly. That's the classic. That's the classic example. I feel feel mm-hmm. like with Race of the Galaxy, which is that you don't want to just be drawing cards the boring normal way. No, you know what I mean? yeah. If listener, if you take one thing from this yeah. podcast, this whole podcast yeah. is uh, when you're playing Race of the Galaxy, get away from explore as fast as possible. Yeah. it's all about the trade. All about the trade. Got to trade, trade for cards. Trade for cards. That's the best way to do it. Um, and there we go. We'll we'll end it right there on some very good Race of the Galaxy advice. Uh, I want to say thank you so much for joining me, Shelton. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me, Sean. Thanks. Love it. All right. Um, I'm going to do the rundown separately. I'm going to throw to myself right now. Hunter, from the future past, take us away. Hello, weirdos, and welcome back to the end of the show. I hope you had a good one this week. I know it was non-traditional. There was very little strategy talk. It was almost like a regular board game show. It was almost like the thing we swore we would never do with this show, but turns out we were just JKing. Um, Before we leave, there are a couple things I want to talk about. First of all, I got to thank the Weird Bears, Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, a.k.a. Squeamu, Brassbird, a.k.a. Brassbird, Brian, Kaluan, Goondock, Carnal, Necrodice Twice, Totally Calculating Poet, Kindred Spirit, Lord Raddington, Bagels, Imlachevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Privix, Ricky M44, RYZ M44, and Wecker M44. And I gotta thank our mama's lovely larva, too, which includes my son is also named Bort. My nerf is also been named Zerg. My ball is also named Drick. My tautology is also named It Is What It Is. My Frank is also... My... Okay. No, I got it. My Frank is also named G. My Wreck is also named Uh. My Jadim is also named Jedi. My General is also named Pith. My Uncle, who's also named Batty. My Sa is all... My saw is also named Vaunt, and my teddy is also named Jams for you. All right, I did it. I held true to that concept, and it was, in fact, worth it. Um, Matt has not told me when the Homebrewers Guild game will be happening. Oh, wait. Yes, he did. It's apparently on October 22nd. I don't know if that's still true. It's going in the episode anyways. If you really want to see that one, I definitely double check before you get your heart set on it. Galactic Council, we have a poll that we are right smack dab in the middle of. Uh, Your four options are Twilight Imperium speedrunning, aka playing Twilight Imperium fast, aka 
playing Twilight Imperium the best way, the only way the people should play it. Option number two, we homebrew and playtest a new faction. Option number three, we talk about Clash of Cultures, which we kind of already did in this episode. Like, actually, that one can't be picked now. Uh, this is unprecedented that we actually stepped on one of the options, but it's not going to win anyways. I think it's in last place. Last option this is the big one. Learn. We learn how to play Spirit Island, and then we play it. All right? Real big. Real big option there. Um, you have a week, okay, to get your uh, to get your vote in, and then that'll be it. We'll have that one decided. That will be your Galactic Council episode for November, of course. Um, before I head off, I just want to say I am going to be doing a stream with BotBot of Root, which we are calling... Uh, it's a series of streams we've been doing for a little bit now. Um, hopefully it'll become a more regular thing, but it's been something we do Tuesday nights uh, whenever we do it. Uh, we're calling it Root Root with BotBot. This week, this or I should say this next week, we will be doing the cooperative version of the game where you play against like the robots um, in Root, that is. Not in Twilight Imperium. That would be crazy. Although somebody should build like a, a robot, an AI for Twilight Imperium that can play it. That would be pretty cool. But we'll be doing that on Tuesday of next week, starting at 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central, um, on our Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash turtles. if you ever want to see us play. Um, I'm currently trying to put together a alliance game that I'll hopefully be playing on Sunday, which is the day after my birthday party. Uh, my birthday party is not going to be on my birthday weekend which shares the weekend with Halloween. So we've moved it. All right, there you go. Little, little more stuff about me. I should go now. This should be the end of the episode. Um, rate this podcast on your podcast app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, and now Spotify. Um, you can check out our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com for more information on our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, our merch, and our etc. And please... Send your This Imperium Life stories to spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. Now, I have a really good play of the week for you, um, but Matt has to read it, and he's not here. So, just a moment of silence for this very juicy play of the week I'm looking at. Oh my god, it is quite amazing. And honestly, this episode could use some more Twilight Imperium in it. But I sadly do not do the reading of the plays of the week around here. So um, just, a, just a quick moment of silence. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.